Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Done Deal. I say podcast, but it's also a visual cast. I don't know what, anyway, podcast and visual stuff. And um, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by uh, Maureen Ahmed from um, the Financial Times. Um, I've known Maureen for a, a number of years now, um, only because he usually phones me up um, and um, picks my brain. And usually I don't know the answer to the question, so I have to go away and give it quite a lot of thought and come back with something. Give you no notice, <laughs> uh, call you at deadline, desperate for a quote. <laughs> but, you know, I, and I think the truth is, is that you, um, the, 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 the quality of content that you're able to put out on, on the FT is, you know, it's my go-to in a lot of ways for the real in-depth piece. You did an unbelievable piece it's not unbelievable this fantastic piece on i think it was maybe two or three weeks ago on covid-19 generally and its impact on the sports landscape which was which is awesome and must have taken a huge amount of time to do and i read it two or three times because you can always find lots of interesting um connections and crossovers in a lot of the stuff that i do so it's amazing to have you on the podcast um as I said in the build-up, I feel a bit of a fraud because usually <laughs> you're the one asking me the questions and I'm just this f fake journalist, <laughs> not even a journalist, someone that's just asking you a few bits. But what I really wanted to just delve into, even if it's just like for 15, 20 minutes, is just hearing from you a little bit of your story as to, from a life perspective rather than as much of a career perspective, how like, you got going in the sports industry, the cool stuff that you do, the interesting stories that you've been involved with. And, and actually, as importantly, because we talk about it a lot as well, is how you balance life with career, which is um, a bit of a difficult one as well for, for me. And I'm just reaching out to lots of people in the sports world as well to hear about that. Mm -hmm. But if maybe first you could, even just for a few minutes, just talk about, like, was it always journalism for you when you were growing up? What did you want to be? How did you you know, envisage your sort of future and future career? Yeah, um, I would say my career is a series of happy accidents. Um, I studied law at university and hated it. Um, sorry to say, just <laughs> loathed it. And I was trying to actually get training contracts to do media law or sports law, actually, but actually media law. Um, and a lot of that would have been working for the other side, uh, the people suing the newspapers, actually, um, and found out it wasn't for me. And I applied for traineeships in journalism. I was doing student journalism at the time, and it hadn't actually occurred to me that that could be a career. And on a whim, applied to the Times traineeship, um, uh, uh, the UK Times. And... Um, got it um it, it took a couple of years to get it but I, I i got a foot in the door did work experience did some uh i did a journalism master's for training and spent i think eight years at the times going from a general reporter um to covering mainly technology for for most of my time there and when i first started doing um the tech job uh i was the young brown guy who you could you know the internet's a fad get him to do that thing um and in that time the ipad was released uh twitter came out you know all of these big changes were happening and silicon silicon valley became the center of the business world um and it was a great story to to cover um and i got noticed by the ft 
the FT initially hired me to come over and cover technology for them um, with a great pitch, which is for, for the FT, technology is a front page story and it wouldn't be for the times. And that is true. And I, and, and I kind of jumped at the chance to move over to the FT. Um, it's a fantastic paper. And uh, like you were saying, I, I was spending a lot of time reading and um, reading the FT rather than anywhere else. Um, uh, and you slowly get to understand the culture of rigor, of accuracy. I mean, you would, like, journalists get a bad press, um, and sometimes it's deserved, sometimes it's not. I actually think journalists do an amazing job of getting almost everything right, and the things that we do notice when they get it wrong get highlighted to a significant degree. But to the FT, that really, really is really important. So two sources on every fact you know, direct knowledge, don't assume things, don't editorialize is, is very uh, key and all, all of that. And that that training was good. Um, and then uh, the next happy accident was uh, just before the Rio Olympic Games. Um, the My colleague who was a leisure correspondent uh, and the ledger, this is the FT's very weird relationship with sport. The ledger correspondent used to cover the hotel industry, gambling, restaurants, cruise liners, all sorts of weird and wonderful things, but also sport and the business of sport. And whoever had the ledger correspondent's job was going to go to the Rio Olympics. And this poor guy was promoted out of the job he loved. Um, and that job became vacant just before the Rio Games. I thought, I'd absolutely love to do that as I'm a sports nut. Got the job, went to Rio, and haven't looked back. Um, the, the thing that has changed in the FT since I've taken over the role, it became more and more patently clear to my bosses that I was spending all my time on sport and very little time doing anything about the hotel industry. I pitched to them the idea that they should just start to sp split that off and have a very, you know, a good instead of mediocre leisure uh, correspondent and uh, and somebody who uh, and doing sport, which would be me. And we're slowly starting to actually expand that because sport, football, has become a big money story involving more and more finance houses, billionaires, big money. Following that, I think, can be an FT speciality in a way that others can't do in the depth that we can do it. And being able to connect the worlds of high finance and sport is where we think we can have an advantage. So that's that's the storyline I've been trying to follow ever since. And some of the other guys that I'm girls I've been speaking to on podcast related matters as well, especially in sport, or I'm not sure whether it is it's obviously not just exclusive to sport, but it can sometimes be, in my experience, I know in your experience too, a little bit of a 24-7, 365 day uh, um, experience where it can be, and that's, a, I guess, one of the benefits and drawbacks of it becoming a bit all-consuming um, at, um, at different times, especially when particular stories hit or particular things really build um, the gravitas of a situation or a, a crisis or um, a positive story going on. At what point did you realize, or maybe you've always realized that it was possibly going to be that way for you, where as soon as you realized that sport was going to be the thing you were going to be reporting on the most, and then how did you, how did you manage balancing that with, with general life commitments? I think 
so this is an this is an issue of um all news reporters um i think we all i mean we all talk about we have something called the fear and the fear is there's there's a story out there somewhere that you're not getting that somebody else is getting that can land at any moment um when i was covering technology i remember distinctly steve jobs died and the announcement um came out at about 1:30 a.m. uh uk time and i was called up by the night news editor to say you've got half an hour to wake up and file um the front page story tomorrow go you know so that's 400 words in you know in a days and that is that is just the life of a a reporter there are some stories that you have to jump on um straight away and if you wait you miss it and you can't miss it because it's news um in terms of how that affects day to day life uh, it affects it really badly <laughs> i won't lie um my wife uh isn't always delighted by um uh, the way this worked uh i think key is just having that communication with your family um to make sure that they know that there are downtimes in the middle of that um i try to be um very protective over over holiday times and i genuinely just turn off the screen you know have a pretty strict out of office and what will be will be in that in that time it also helps that i work for a very um kind and humane organization the ft you know uh that people do try and allow you to ha- have your weekends you know there's a there's a rota which means that various different people have to cover a sunday shift and if you don't want to work on that sunday no one's going to force you you know it's quite it's quite a good place to work in that in in that sense so it's just making sure that you build in downtime i think knowing that that is time that you're going to uh, that you're going to switch off but it is incredibly hard you know uh, during the lockdown for example it's got worse if anything there's no sport and i've never been busier you know you wake up at 7 and you're behind a laptop and you kind of keep going until 7 p.m. um uh, and even then there's more to do uh, a lot of the time so it's a if it wasn't for the passion for the job it'd be very very hard but it doesn't it often doesn't feel like work really it's just it, it's a pretty enjoyable um uh, existence so i'm not going to complain too much yeah i i feel the way a lot lots of the times i mean there's definitely been times i i know during my career and i haven't had the longest career just yet maybe 15 16 years in in the legal industry especially when you're working on football for long periods of time or sport where the truth is the last thing you want to do is at the weekend turn the television on and watch another game of football oh <laughs> um, god yeah so i remember going through a phase of not watching any football for maybe a couple of months and doing triathlons instead <laughs> which was uh, which was great for a period of just like you know and then realizing actually that you're in a pretty privileged position to be in the football <laughs> industry and you need to get over yourself and um yeah and move on a little bit but i i can empathize completely i I especially in this lockdown period now I'm finding a lot of comfort in my routine of you know that getting up early going into my front room working getting on with the day 
trying to be creative with a lot of things we're trying to do as well and obviously help clients a bit but it's um yeah it's not an easy time and, and i think maybe the next bit that i was then going to mention is i you know the, the funny thing is i owe you a big debt of gratitude in, in a lot of ways because the i it was it was around the time that my book was coming out a couple of years ago now and i remember us chatting and you were saying oh maybe we'll do a if you fancy a few quotes on um, uh, your book coming out and we'll see if we can get it in the, um, the, the newspaper at all. And then the next thing I know is that a photographer comes um, to the office and takes a few pictures and then we have a good chat as well. And I didn't know anything more than it. And then about four days later, I mean, I don't think my mum has been as happy ever when she sees a full page spread of her son in the Financial Times talking about sort of my career and stuff. Um, which is amazing. So, I mean, you, if, if you ever, there was um, a good opportunity to be able to <laughs> oversell something that was definitely, it, it was, it was fantastic. And the thing that, um, I think going back to sort of career stuff generally that I'm, I'm interested as well is, you know, you go from, you go from lots of different sports generally. So it's not like just with me, I'm doing just football or otherwise, mm. you find that difficult to handle different personality I know it's saying different personalities within a sport but generally within lots of different sports to be able to handle the variety and the complexity and the nuance and keeping a very broad idea about what's going on in the sector but then being as um as um laser focused on particular subjects within a particular sport how do you manage to become so broad brush but also so specialist uh it's kind of you to say that i am uh, i tend to think that actually uh it's impossible to know every story very well so one thing that's really important you are not as smart as um everyone else out there and there is a vast amount of knowledge out there and a lot of reporting is about talking to people so whatever subject it is if if you are getting it from Twitter or just sitting down and writing and haven't spoken to anyone, you're probably going to do the dumb, the dumb take on it, you know. Uh, so you mentioned that big read. That was um, took a couple of weeks to do, but you just speak to 10, 15 people in the industry and you let them talk. You ask questions, you let them talk and let that knowledge kind of filter into your brain. That's the best way of getting stories it's also the best way of covering every angle um so i don't consider what i do as a kind of um as my knowledge imparted to the reader it's everybody else's i'm a kind of i'm a conduit to what other people's views are um and try and keep myself out of it so as long as you're trying to do that you can you can cover any subject you know um because you go and try and find the right people to talk to and you tell their story so i don't feel so you just apply that across sport um obviously i have i can write a football story pretty fast these days because there's just a lot of inherent knowledge that i have i'm currently writing a story about the proposed newcastle united takeover and i have done 10 or 15 of these stories in the past three or four years and I know every nook and cranny and I know where to look and I know who to ask and I've got people on speed dial and I, you know, I can do that. It gets harder when you're trying to do something like, which you kind of find interesting, like, uh, uh, what's an example? 
the bloodstock industry in horse racing. I don't know anything about that. But what you do is you spend a week talking to loads of people and they tell you what it is um, and you listen. Um, so that's the best way to do it. The other thing I, I, I tend to think is most uh, most people have a stick or a way of analyzing the world. Um, if you try to just do every sports story in the world, I think you do it really poorly. I think you you've got to know what you're good at. So I think what the FT is good at, not just me, is you follow the money. So we do the money story. You know, I'm never going to get Jose Mourinho um, goes to Spurs faster than somebody who's really in with the Jose Mourinho crowd or transfer stories. That isn't what we're going to be good at. But what we can do is takeovers better than anyone else. We can do uh, the boardroom better than anyone else. We can analyze the money better than anyone else. And the other thing uh, I think um, I've tended to be good at is the kind of the longer read storytelling which takes a lot of time it's about structure and pacing and how you tell a story over time we've got better at that um and i don't necessarily think there are that many people who are doing it in the way we're doing it because a lot of sports journalism is kind of opinion led which is great we all read it but it's one person and almost always one guy's perspective on things um if you look at a lot of other reporting that's out there in any other subject that isn't how it is it isn't a commentary it is a report based on what other people are saying i think we can do that you can do that approach to uh, to sports um uh in a way that most other people aren't doing it and lastly because obviously i don't want to take up too much of your time and um it's great just to chat more generally how how are you doing and how is the reporting of stories doing in for you in this period now of a sort of lockdown and unprecedented changes to the way the world generally mm. works as well i mean i'm for, for my part i'm trying to actually read the mainstream news less to a degree just for my own health and well-being because mental health and well-being because just watching death tickers and other types of things like that is just too um upsetting really is the truth and in a way what i'm looking at is i mean i've never read as many science journals as the truth in the past about three or four weeks where i'm just like looking at the latest antiviral clinical results and different things like that to try yeah. and look at the positives to see hopefully when things might change for for the better i've probably gone a bit too far about what i'm doing but what i'm interested in if you're able to explain is you know how has your job if at all changed and how you're reporting changed as a result of what is happening now obviously loads of reactive things in sports um but has the focus shifted in any way as to what you are reporting and how you're how you're saying it yeah well for the for the journalism trade uh, a crisis is is a good thing there's nothing like a crisis to cover um uh, actually you know financially everyone's um being affected including the ft uh you know advertising's gone off a cliff and we're all worried about that um and uh, and so on but in terms of the, the job basically i've gone from covering a boom industry to covering a collapsing industry right in front of us within weeks um you know and uh and 
there is an endless amount to say about that. Uh, so, you know, I thought things might slow down because if there isn't any sport, what's the storyline going to be? Well, what have we seen? We've seen the Premier League and the Professional Football Association um, and the English Football League get into an unbelievable public row over pay cuts. Um, and that took up two weeks of my time. You've seen cancellations of the biggest sporting events in the in the world. You've um, uh, and the, the kind of the inner workings of that. And now you're seeing how, which we always thought was going to happen, some of the biggest, some big name sporting entities worried about going bust. And then there'll be a reopened story as well. So it's, uh, it's never been, weirdly, it's never been busier on, on this beat. I feel sorry for colleagues who, who make their living from doing match reports or particular, you know, there's a, there's a type of sports journalism which is uh, uh, being completely ground down. But as a sports news correspondent, there is endless amounts of sports news. So um, that bit hasn't stopped. I, like you, have to find some way of turning off, you know. Um, uh, just before the lockdown, I bought Wolf Hall, and, <laughs> and it's massive, and it's compelling. <laughs> and I, it, uh, I read it like 30 pages at a time, because uh, I read slowly. Uh, and it's a, it's a world away, and I haven't watched any football i'm not watching any clips i'm not watching any old reruns of sport i find it a very weird thing to do you know so i i found a way of keeping away from it and i find like you find a lot of this stuff depressing but it, i'm in the news business so i'm covering it pretty closely and all those developments kind of have a knock-on effect on all the stories i'm writing too so i've i've got to keep um as best i can one step ahead of it yeah no, I completely agree. And then lastly, one of the questions you, you might have answered it already is, you know, in this time of lockdown now, when you're trying to switch off from stuff, um, are there any interesting books you read lately, any podcasts that you listen to, any particular ways of you're consuming content on certain things that um, are either inspiring, interesting, you know, sparking um, conversations, sparking new ideas? I'm always interested in just other people's views on what they're reading and doing generally. Yeah, on sport or just generally? Life, life, well, philosophy. Yeah. No, I, you know what? I think um, definitely what's happened is I'm, I'm, because there is an action at the moment, I'm consuming a lot less just watching. I, 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 like you, I tend to watch fewer and fewer games. I, you know, you almost, I, I actually end up going to about, 12 to 15 games in a season um anyway i don't think you get a lot from being in the stadium a lot of the time um unless you're gonna meet people in the life of a uh of being in a press box isn't isn't meeting people it's watching the game and then t having to take and that's not something i do anyway so all of that has been wiped away um from from me and largely you know i'm I'm reading fiction again for the first time in absolutely forever um 
there's a lot of <laughs> good TV, and I'm here with my wife and kid, which are, you know, trying to do childcare for a 15, 16 month year old, while my wife is a civil servant, is also trying to help run the country, uh, is keeps you up. Um, so there's, it hasn't stopped being busy. Uh, I always used to say that um, uh, going to football would be great if it wasn't for the fans. You know, getting getting in and out of a stadium is a uh, I I found a tiresome chore. I could, I just stopped dealing with it. But what I would give to go to a game now, I have to say, a, a month in, um, you know, it'd be it'd be a great moment when we're all going back. Um, uh, to a full stadium uh, that will be quite a, a thing and I'm looking forward to it um, because a lot of the stuff I had planned for this summer the Euros, the Olympic Games uh, the stuff that you make a career out of um, suddenly got wiped out um, so uh, I'm happy doing other stuff for now but I'll, I'll be delighted when the sport gets turned back on Here, here. And I think on that note, yes, that's definitely going to be something to look forward to. Maybe not in the near future, but in the medium term, hopefully. So, mate, thanks so much for coming on and having a chat. And you can definitely get back to your childcare and day job now. So, <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm, uh, the the day job is is endless. Like <laughs> Saudi Arabia is buying Newcastle United. Now that is an FT story. I look forward to reading it, mate. <laughs> okay, thank you. See you later. Time. Take care. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram at Football Law. Read my blogs and listen to my previous podcasts via my website, danielg.com forward slash blogs. Please do subscribe to the Dundeal Football Podcast, like, share and tag me. If you like the content, if not my voice, you'll probably also like my book Dundeal, an insider's guide to football contracts, multi-million pound transfers and Premier League big business. A bit of a mouthful. It's available to buy in hard copy, digitally, and via Audible. All links are in the podcast show notes. Lastly, the podcast is powered by 13, which is a fashion brand I've started. All proceeds go towards cancer charity research, and particularly the stellar work done by John Krell, who has helped my mum through some difficult times over the last few years. You can take a look at the merch and hopefully buy a t-shirt, hoodie, cap, or all three. Please do spread the word and go to 13shop.co.uk. That's 13shop.co.uk. Thanks for listening.